Welcome back, fellow Chelsea fans, to our 12th episode of the season. But before we get going today, we'd like to extend our sincerest and deepest condolences to those affected by the Leicester tragedy, as well as those affected by the Pittsburgh shootings as well. Uh, this weekend was made even worse by the news of Chelsea legend and ex-England boss Glenn Hoddle's collapse uh, on set prior to the Premier League coverage this past weekend. But thankfully, all signs are positive as reports that he hasn't suffered any brain damage have surfaced. Um, and if rumors are true, he's going to make a full recovery as well. So, um, you know, thank God for that. But we could not have started this episode without addressing these things. You know, after all, football is just a game and there are things much bigger than it. Um, so... Without further ado, um, it is no podcast without, uh, I was going to say Sam Bagherzada and Andres Velasco, but Sam actually has some technical difficulties going on. So it's uh, only Andres um, from the Romans Empire team, um, as well as myself, are going to be on the pod today. But we are also welcoming a very, very, very special guest, uh, something that's been in the works for a long time, uh, no other than Sujin Lee, who's a, a dear friend of the pod, as well as the head of the uh, LA Chelsea Blues, which is a local chapter of Chelsea in America that Sam and I are members of. So um, interesting fact, she's a regular listener of the pod, and this is actually her first podcast appearance, which is crazy because she's like a social media celebrity of sorts. So I'm not kidding. Someone actually likes this crap podcast. So uh, Sujin, we're, we're glad to have <laughs> you. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm actually really excited. First we podcast. Are, we are even more excited because we have the legend on the show now. So like, <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. Um, so Sue, for a you're second, familiar. I thought you were calling me a legend. I was no, wow, no, I'm flattered. No, Andres, only like this is only like your fifth cap, man. <laughs> you know, take it easy. Um, but you know, like I said, we're glad to have you on the pod, and it's great that we're finally like starting to incorporate more of uh, the CIA family into the show. So. Um, why don't we just get right to it? Uh, so Chelsea versus Bate, 3-1. Um, I know we're going to start talking about Loftus-Cheek's hat trick because this was his game, really. But before I do that, we'll go through the lineups. Uh, so we had Keppa in goal, uh, Gary Cahill and Christensen uh, as our two center backs, Emerson and Zapacosta outside of them. Uh, we had Sesc Fabregas, RLC, and Kovacic as our midfield with Pedro William and Giroud up top. So let's get right to it. First thoughts on the Loftus-Cheek hat trick. Andres, why don't you get us kicked off? Oh, man. I oh, Wow. I tweeted this. I still am like in shock that it's finally happened. We've heard of all the potential. We've seen his end product in the youth levels and when he was healthy at Palace. It's finally happened. Loftus-Cheek has proved that he can be a starting midfielder at Chelsea. And like I said on Twitter, I only thought like this kind of goal product only came in the FIFA video games. I'm so happy to see it in real life. I mean, he had two penalty shouts the first Europa League match and didn't get called for either of them. So I guess he had a goal coming to him. I mean, at least the football gods had a goal coming to him. But uh, uh, Sujin, what were your thoughts on Loftus-Cheek's hat trick? Was it, was it a surprise to you or was it more of a relief? Um, I wouldn't say a relief. I mean, I've been a big fan of his for the longest time. You know, I'm a big, like, believer in our youth. But I was just so happy for him. And I think on Twitter I said things like, who needs a, who needs for us to sign another striker in January when we have 
flopped his cheek, right? He's just... <laughs> I'm pretty I sure Andre like said the same thing during the match to me. He's just... To me, he's kind of made to be a striker, and to see this, like, end product, he actually scored a hat trick, was just so phenomenal. I'm, like, so, so thrilled. I'm on that Loftus cheek as a striker boat right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I think we all are, but, like... the the main thing with Loftus Cheek and the thing I find interesting is like his movement in the box is very clever, isn't it? Like he he tends to find those spaces similar to Ross Barkley. But if he does play as a striker, I mean, I guess my my question to Andres here is like, if we do play Loftus Cheek as a striker, we spoke about this a little bit as well. Is he gonna be that prototypical number nine, just that out and out striker, or is he gonna be more of a false nine where he could drop in and also create at times? I mean, where where do you see him more effective? I mean, I know he hasn't played striker yet. The only manager that really ever did it was Antonio Conte, but I'm just curious, like if he does wind up playing that position, where exactly do you see him fitting in? Yeah, so I kinda like thought about it more and just looking into it all, like when he was playing as a striker with Conte, he was more of like a second striker where the partner he had on the field was the one playing with his back to goal. I think one of Loftus-Cheek's greatest skills is once he gets that pass where he can just take it in stride and continue his run forward and he can run at defenses is when he's most uh, successful. And taking that away from him by putting him with his back to goal might just do a big disservice to his talents. So Mm -hmm. if he were even to play in in a forward role, I'd say false nine is the kind of only way to go. Just because, like I said, it's it's one of those things where you're you're taking away that strength and drive of you know making that run that bridges the gap between like that splits the gap between the midfield and the defense. So um, yes, he's great in the box, and yes, he's got a great finishing touch. But we I think we would just be limiting Loftus Cheek if we want to mold him into a forward after further consideration. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Um, I, I actually didn't watch the Burnley match. I was at a bachelor party getting oh. absolutely <laughs> tossed. So, like, the game was at 6.30 in the morning. Fuck that. I, 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 I couldn't wake up for it. I think I fell asleep, like, a half an hour before kickoff anyway. So, um, I know that he did play off of the right, and he got himself a goal. And after watching some of the highlights and, and, and reading a lot of articles and match reviews, um, he was pretty involved coming off of the right-hand side. I mean... Would that be a better option based on what you guys have seen uh, as opposed to him playing as an out-and-out number nine? Yes. Um, I think exactly what Andres said. Like It would be a disservice just to use him as a full-on striker. Um, I think with Sari's system, it's... I mean, we're still in early stages, but as we're seeing, like, with the Burnley match, we had, like, four different people scoring, so... Mm-hmm. It's. I don't want to say this because it's a little bold, but go ahead, go ahead and do it. I could see it like Lampard being a very high high scoring midfielder. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see that route maybe, but I mean, as long as someone's bagging in those goals, that's right. Right. No, I'm I'm with Sue on this one. I think. Midfield is the way to go, ultimately, with Loftus-Cheek. Yes, he did a good job at the wing, but you should have seen that game. We dominated Burnley. Like The first 15 minutes, Burnley did well to press, but after that, it was all Chelsea. I, I, every one of our players looked fantastic, no matter where they were. So I know we'll get more into that in a bit, but 
Yeah, I, I see lots of Sheik's future more in midfield. I mean, but here's the thing. I mean, with Roth, with Roth, with Ross Barkley playing so well, and N'Golo Conte starting to find his feet now, and obviously Jorginho seems to be that one immovable object in that midfield um, because he's basically Sarri's disciple. Would I? I think playing Loftus Cheek off of the right makes the most sense um, if you're gonna try and get him and Ross Barkley in the same squad. Um, I think Loftus Cheek would thrive actually with a striker like Giroud with someone that does play his back to goal. I see that vision very similar to Conte, except mm-hmm. Conte just did not execute it well at all whatsoever. Um, but, you know, I, I could see Loftus-Cheek playing off of that right-hand side, maybe when we get an Eden Hazard back, or maybe Willian playing off of the left, who could cut inside and tuck in behind that uh, center forward and help create. I think Loftus-Cheek would be great uh, making those diagonal runs in off the ball. I mean, he's aggressive enough, he's quick enough. Uh, he has athleticism, and now, I mean, we're seeing it. He has a goal-scoring touch, so um, let's see what happens in the future, man. I mean, this is such a good problem to have, isn't it? We finally hey, have stacked midfield here. Yeah, yeah it's great, and, and, and the nice part is we have more than one English midfielder who's actually of service. Um, <laughs> shout out to Danny Drinkwater. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just – it's good to see that we have two young – ish English midfielders that are very similar in playing style but are also hitting their stride at the exact same time and it's and this is something I always harp on on this podcast is having squad depth and having multiple options in certain positions is only going to make the team and those players better competition in the squad is always a good thing and I think right now as that number 10 slash number eight position we have Kovacic who's more than serviceable we have Barkley. Now we have Loftus Cheek coming into his own. I mean, this is this is just a really, really exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. Um, but let's move on a little bit. I, I want to talk about Callum Hudson Odoi because he he's he's alive, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I mean, I mean, this is the thing. Like, we we always talked about him possibly getting in over Moses and him maybe getting on the last 10, 15 minutes of a match, and it never happened up until now. He came on in the 60th minute. Uh, he had two shots, one key pass, attempted six dribbles, and only completed five of them. Uh, not too shabby for uh, a first outing. So, I mean, is he ready to leapfrog Moses as the fourth choice winger, quote unquote? I mean, I've been pleading for it since day one, and and I find it funny that he only completed five dribbles. <laughs> like, I mean, if I was 18 years old playing in the Europa League, I'd gladly complete one dribble and call it a day. So, um, I again. The guy obviously did try too hard. I mean, you're under the bright lights. You finally get your chance. You only have 20 minutes to shine, like, or I guess 30 minutes to shine. You're going to try to do too much. And you could see that when he was kind of like putting too much power behind his shots and that sort of thing. But, I mean, I I think there's no question. Uh, I mentioned this before. Like, when you have Hazard and William at the same time, they both kind of like playing with the ball at their feet kind of having the possession, you need to have a guy that balances it out sort of the way Pedro does. So I see Hudson Adoy being that kind of outlet, that direct guy who's going to make the run in behind, who's going to make the work off the ball happen mm-hmm. so that other guys can shine. And we just need to give the guy more minutes. I mean, you've seen, you mentioned Loftus-Cheek and you mentioned Barkley. The more they've played, the better they've looked. I only see the same thing happening with Hudson Adoy should he get the chance. Sue, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Cal Hudson Adoy? Uh, I love him, obviously, but like Andrea said, he really needs to play more. And 
I think with this season, we since our midfield is so stacked, it um I think Kovacic said something in an interview this week that he understands that it's a lot of rotating going on. Mm-hmm. And as long as I think uh Cho can hang in there and accept that he he might not play all the time, but he's still gonna work hard then it's only a matter of time that he gets his moment the way Loftus Cheek has. Do you, random thought, and I, and I just thought of this, but I mean, he still hasn't signed his contract extension. Is, mm-hmm. is what the hell is he waiting for? He has to turn eighteen. Because, I think is the big thing. Yeah. Um, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So like, I think you have to be eighteen years old to sign a professional contract. So like, apparently we're like a month or two away. But the talk is that he might stall that if he doesn't get a clear, like, here is your trajectory at Chelsea. I mean, it's hard for – before, this wouldn't be an issue. Like, last season, I would say, oh, he's going to sign. But then you have Jadon Sancho at Dortmund, who's having an amazing season. Yeah. And he's the same age as Callum Hudson-Odoi. So the fact that he sees that every week that Sancho is playing the Champions League and then the Bundesliga and the dude is actually producing, it's – it's a scary thought that Chelsea might actually mess this one up. What do we think of Victor Moses? Because, I mean, based on his performance, uh, look, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. He just looked disinterested. And last season, we talked about how he was a winger playing right back. And this season, he looks like a right back trying to play winger. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's just blatantly obvious that he doesn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, he, he wasn't tracking back defensively. Every time he got the ball, he was looking to take somebody on 1v1 instead of instead of continuing to run a play and making the simple pass. It's just frustrating because, I mean, someone that's had so much success here the last few years, obviously not as a bit part player, but as someone that was starting pretty much every single match, um, could come into the squad this year and just look jaded and uh, disinterested. So, I mean, uh, you know, Sujin, what what do you think of Victor Moses? Am I right, or am I just talking no, about no, the No, no, I I think you hit the nail on the head. He's just being like been played out of position. I think maybe he's tired of this merry-go-round. What is it like? This is the third manager he's been under, and I don't know if he'll really fit into Sari's system. Yeah, but, it doesn't look uh, like it. Because he doesn't really – I mean, I spoke about it last week. He doesn't offer much in terms of crossing or, or, or yeah. playmaking. But he doesn't also offer anything scoring-wise. So yeah. I just don't see where he's going to fit into the side unless he plays as, like, another makeshift right back. Mm. I don't yeah. know. Andres, what do you think? I mean, hey, January's coming up. <laughs> you sound optimistic, I, man. <laughs> I, I mean, all I'm saying is – you're right. Sorry, system's not for him. I think that he could thrive in a team that plays maybe a four-four-two, and he's like a like a right midfielder. I just it's just not happening for him at Chelsea, and and I don't see anything changing. Where, like you said, he's getting the time to show kind of his like everyone else that's given the time is trying to prove a point, and he's kind of not taking that challenge on. I mean, Cahill's playing great. Barkley, Loftus Cheek, like. Even Willian, when he kind of, like, had a great performance this Sunday. So, like, Mm -hmm. players that have had, like, been questioned to whether they're good enough have stepped up except for him. So, I I think, I think, yeah, his time's up in my mind. It's kind of fading away because you have people like Zappacosta and Luis who 
people have written off last season, but when they've been given a chance, they're actually playing pretty well. So yeah, we, we from, didn't even touch on them. Zapacosta yeah. and Ederson or Emerson both had a Emerson, fantastic yeah. game. They were fantastic midweek. Yeah, they really were. I mean, you you talked about Andres how Victor Moses's time could be up at the club. I mean, does that also mean that Alexander Hleb's playing career is uh coming to a close? Also, I mean, I thought that guy was in his mid forties, but apparently he's still <laughs> he's, playing somewhere in Belarus. Yeah, I mean, he's what thirty seven, thirty eight, and he's still playing in European nights. Every bit of it. I'm sorry to say, <laughs> like I know he's a great player, but. I mean, fuck him because he's ex-Arsenal and ex-Barca, but still, like, <laughs> he just did not look anything like he used to. It's kind of sad. I mean, I mean, why even go to Belarus? Why not come to the MLS, right? I think he is from Belarus. I think that's the only oh, reason. He? Yeah, I think the oh, only reason okay. why is that he might be from there. So it's like, uh, I'm going to go that's home, be with the family. Oh, well, retire I, at home, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Sue. Yeah, just just retire already, man. I mean, your, your time's up. But, um, nope. But sometimes players just want to play and. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic. What? Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, l- let's move on to uh, part two, I guess. I mean, we got Chelsea versus Burnley, obviously, for nothing. Uh, I, I, like I said, I did not watch the match in its entirety. Som sent the link to us in our, in our group, in our uh, WhatsApp for the podcast with, like, the full match. And I watched about the first 10 minutes and passed out. Um, <laughs> per hangover so um it, that didn't last too long so i only really saw uh burnley like pepper our goal for the first 10 minutes and that was about it so uh starting lineups for that game we had keppa in goal uh marcus alonso returns back out on the left dave on the right uh rudy and david louise as our two center halves Jorginho, conte and barkley as our midfield three with pedro william and Murata up top so i mean let's start with Sam's boy and i'm really sad that he's not on this podcast because he'll be going even crazier than he did last podcast <laughs> ross the boss barkley um one goal two assists 90 passes completed four key passes i mean after this weekend he became the third best midfielder passer midfield passer based on pass completion in the premier league 92.4 percent completion rate only kovacic and gundagon are ahead of him um, you know, Maurizio Sarri alluded to it after the match. He was actually asked if this was Ross Barkley's best performance of the season. He said, quote, he's a very good player from a technical point of view. He's improved the defensive phase. Now I think Ross is complete. He has improved the defensive phase. I want to highlight that phrase for a second because he's used that phrase on a certain Ruben Loftus-Cheek before, right? Um, and now that Ross Barkley seemed to have that part uh, locked down, he does seem like a complete player. I don't think Maurizio Sarri is necessarily crazy. Do you, Andres? Um, I don't. I think Ross has shined a lot since his – like I'm thinking back at, with his performance at Arsenal early in the season where I was like, God, he's, he looks lost. And on Sunday, he was at the right place. He was making tackles. He was involved in the offense. He was taking people on. His goal was from distance, which – Please, somebody remind me who the last person to score, like, from the midfield, from distance, was for Chelsea. Cause Danny Drinkwater, been... baby. Last <laughs> season, it was that Actually. weird that weird volley, wasn't it? I mean, I yeah. could be wrong. I could I, be I wrong. Think... I just want to say Danny Drinkwater. I mean, I'm trying to think, though. Like, I think – actually, was, I think it might have been Conte. But, like, the point oh, I'm trying to Man make, United. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The point I'm trying to make is, like, yeah. he was trying it. And, like, sorry said, he has worked defensively. 
I still would like to see him have this level of performance against like a top five, six, top four contender, just to like mm-hmm. kind of like calm me to any of my like potential like worries. But I do think that, and, and we can get to this in a second, but I think after this week, we have kind of a conundrum between Kovacic, Barkley, and Loftus Cheek, but I kind of want to open that up for a debate after we get done with the review. So, yeah, Barkley was amazing. His assist to, to Morata was beautiful. Like, Oof, I, yeah. I thought I thought Fabregas was the only player that had that kind of vision, but I, I thought that was a beautiful pass. I'll, but, Sujin, what do you think of Barkley's game? Um, I'm just kind of taken aback by his resurgence. Uh, he kind of proved me wrong. I was a bit skeptical of him. So under Sari, he's been phenomenal. I have nothing else to say other than I've, <laughs> it's no, just I mean, surprised. Look, I, yeah. it, I, it sounds like Sujin wasn't watching the game and she was just watching Ross Barkley's ass the whole time. I mean, Sujin, he could, has you, a could great you confirm butt, that or not? Okay, he has a great <laughs> butt. Let's, let's, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about being a female fan you can appreciate the physical aspects of the game (laughs) um but he's just it's just he's done well i mean hasn't he there hasn't been i mean he hasn't really put a foot wrong since coming into the squad i mean yeah maybe he did give that ball away that led to sturge's goal but 99 times out of 100 daniel sturridge doesn't put that in the back of the net i mean that was fluke that was a fluke (laughs) total fluke and i mean when you look when you just look at what he's doing i mean based on some of the highlights i saw on that small sample size at the burnley match that you know the first 10 minutes or so it it seems like he's starting to get the hang of the system he's not holding on to the ball as long he's starting to find his teammates a lot faster and he's Mm -hmm. transitioning from that defensive phase to use Sari's uh to use Sari's line right there. He's 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 found a way to um turn a defensive phase into offense if you understand what I'm saying. So like we nick the ball and he's immediately making a 10 15 yard sprint just straight towards the opposition goal just to get into some sort of space so we could continue that run of play whereas before we'd kind of nick the ball off an off of an opponent and Ross Barkley would just kind of jog or, 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 or look around kind of confused. He doesn't really know where to go. I think he's starting to get a better feel for his teammates and a better feel for the system. And, I mean, it's showing, man. One goal and two assists is no joke in a game like this. But what about that pass to Murata? Um, perfectly, oh, perfectly weighted. I mean, he just collects it with the left and dinks it with the right. And, and, and when you put Murata in a position like that where he doesn't really have to think in front of goal – his striker instincts come alive, and that's and that seems to be where he thrives. So maybe Ross Barkley could be the guy to unlock Murata or possibly uh, at least get some sort of production out of Murata until January, hopefully. Um, so th- it's funny you say that because before this season started and we signed Kovacic, I was like, okay, Kovacic might be the key to Murata. I'm that's why I'm so surprised that it's Ross Barkley. Yeah, I mean it's that Real Madrid. It's that Real Madrid. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah. They said something like he had six assists to Murata last season. I was like, oh, this is Fabregas Costa 2.0. I'm there. Like, I, I agree. I thought the same exact thing. Um, one thing that I do want to also remind you guys is that Barkley did spend all summer with Sari. And from the yeah. beginning, Sari always saw something in him. Mm-hmm. Like, he said that he's still going to have to work and all that. And props to Barkley for putting in the work. Um, you know, the coach kind of took him on and, and – 
pushed to him and challenged him. And, and I think he's got three goals and three assists in the Premier League. And I think those numbers either match or are near what Pogba has done with like half the amount of minutes. So, uh, yeah, just just throwing that out there. Our uh, second real... choice center okay. mid out there with uh, the captain of Man United. So whatever. Uh, can we give props to Marina for signing him for what was it like fifteen million? Fifteen pounds? million. Yeah. Shrewd signing. For <laughs> yeah. Sure. She gets so much crap, but that lady knows her business. She... I mean, that was that was a masterstroke, and we were saying it from day one on this very podcast. So I mean, if you're listening and you're like, wait, these guys hopped on the bandwagon, nuh uh. I mean, I mean, the second the second we signed Ross Barkley, I'm pretty sure Sam shat himself because he was just <laughs> out of excitement. Because like like I know Sam Sam every single time he starts a career mode in FIFA, he always looks at Ross Barkley. He just had there was something about Ross Barkley that Sam just loved. I Maybe, had him in my like fantasy team a couple of times, and I thought he was he was great at Everton, and then mm-hmm. then he got injured and kind of stalled, but. I mean, we're seeing Ross Barkley at full fitness now, which is something yeah. that not a lot of people have seen, right? Because he's always struggled with with injuries every now and then. Isn't that why he left Everton? Wasn't he frustrated with the with the treatment he was getting on his injury at the time? I think, I think that he was, was like case. rushed back. Something because one that's of those what, things. Because we were supposed like to sign him guy. the window before, weren't we? Mm-hmm. And then that, somehow that deal fell through because of the because he he couldn't pass his physical. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, Everton was trying to rush him back to the field. I mean, they're dead desperate to get their talisman back i'm sure he felt that pressure rather than being allowed to to fully get back to fitness and yeah i mean he's he's kind of grown back acls aren't easy to come back from they take people a different amount of time and we finally get to see a confident barkley on the pitch so hey good for us (laughs) why don't why don't we shout out everton also for taking that 15 million and signing a uh a washed up theo walcott with that with that ross barkley money Hey, we play them this Sunday. I'm excited. <laughs> isn't I it? hope I hope Barkley comes in. Wait, I'm I sorry. Is it, isn't it Palace? Yeah, no, yeah. Palace Ever, Everton's I, a, I jumped yeah. the gun. No, no, no. Everton's, Everton's after that. I Everton's coming up. Yeah. I mean, we know which game. We we know which game Sujin's gonna be watching for sure now. <laughs> um. So I mean, I I want to move on. I want to talk about the rest of the midfield three because I feel like if we talk about just Ross Barkley, it's uh, it could go on forever to the other two. Yeah, it could go yeah. on forever. Also. Um, I mean, l- let's start. I mean, N'Golo Conte, one assist, three key passes, 94% pass completion. Jorginho completed 94 passes, at 92% completion rate, had two key passes in the game. Probably shouldn't have, should have had an assist to Murata also with that dinked ball over the top. I know I saw that. I don't know how Murata missed that. But, I mean, we talked about Ross Barkley's production and, and what he's been able to do recently, but why was the rest of the midfield so successful in this match um, compared to the last few matches where we did look like there were a couple holes? I think familiarity with the system. I think it's finally kind of clicking. Um, I think Conte's a lot more comfortable in his role now than he was a couple of weeks back. Obviously, Jorginho has been in this position forever, and Bark, even Barkley just haven't put in a lot of work. I think defensively, the guys know where they need to be going. Offensively, um, I think click, things are just becoming more automatic, like more than like, oh, thinking about every single step, every single move. So I don't think Sorry Ball has reached 100% capacity, but, but, you know, what was it, a month ago, this game ended, this exact setup game ended as a 
1-1 to West Ham. And today, or Sunday, was a 4-0 without Hazard at Turf Moor. So I think it's just familiarity overall. These three guys have played together now for multiple games, and they've practiced together now for months. I, I think it's just a uh, practice-makes-perfect situation. Yeah, Sue, we're getting there. What did we're you getting see? there. Yeah, I, I, I'm, curious, I'm curious to get your take on this because, I mean, <sighs> we always talked about I mean, lately we've been talking about the whole Kovacic-Barkley conundrum, but it seemed to kind of overshadow all the crap that people have been talking about N'Golo Conte, and I know you have a particular soft spot for him. Oh, I love N'Golo Conte. Who doesn't love N'Golo Conte? Go, um, go check Twitter. Apparently yeah, a lot of people are so Twitter. sad. Yeah, it's, really? it's, it's, it's actually pathetic how much hate Conte has been getting the last couple of weeks just because you know, the best defensive midfielder in the world can't chip in 10-plus goals a season, which is just oh, crazy. But that's not who Conte is. I don't think even last season he was expected to chip in any goals. No, uh, nothing. He I, – I wish I could fight these people on Twitter, but <laughs> they're on Twitter. Um, like Andre said, Conte, he's just – I feel like he's finally getting a bit more comfortable with Sarri's system. Initially, I think he was being played a bit higher up, and that was making a lot of people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But this this match was like an eye opener. I think people were having fun out there, especially Murata. Yeah. So to see him score that goal, like you could just see the weight lifted because he scored. What was that other goal he scored? And he was kind of sulking. Uh, it was in the Europa League. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was in the Europa League. But after this one, he just looks so happy. And like you said, he doesn't need to think. He shouldn't think about it too much. Yeah. And just play. And I think I- oftentimes Twitter warriors get a little too excited and a little over- <laughs> i'm being i'm being nice you said don't 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 nice, be nice but... <laughs> don't be nice just but rip up a new one it's just at the end of the day these are footballers and they just want to play i mean yeah. they're handsomely paid footballers but and there's yeah. some some of them are just handsome too yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely true hey, you yeah. know what you, you know what's weird i mean it's totally off topic but a friend of mine actually sent me who knows nothing about soccer um, sent me a picture of Ruben Loftus cheek and was like, "Yo, where has this guy been?" Like, it, it's a girl, obviously, and she was like, "Where, uh, where has this guy been?" And I'm like, "Uh, nah, he's been around for a I'm very long time. Maybe you should I start watching soccer now." Here for that, I was all over that World Cup, <laughs> trying to yeah. convert as many of my female friends to start watching the World Cup. I would post pictures of him Kovacic they're like okay now I need to pay attention <laughs> for those yeah, we, that don't so, have her on Instagram Sue would literally post about like eight or nine pictures on, on her story with like a match, bunch of handsome soccer players yeah yeah <laughs> for each individual match during the World Cup and and it, even sometimes I would flick through there and be like oh she's actually kind of right this guy is good looking <laughs> but uh I mean b- before I get too carried away <laughs> I just want to say something really quick about N'Golo Conte because I do want to get back to the point. Um, I think similar to Ross Barkley, I mean, Andres, you hit the nail on the head. He is getting familiar with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's showing with his range of passing. I think it was two of those goal buildups. I know the Murata goal, uh, the pass to Ross Barkley before the assist was actually from N'Golo Conte. Yes, it was And then he assisted, 
he assisted another goal, uh, which was Williams, which, I mean, the pass wasn't had no difficulty involved whatsoever. I mean, William, William was wide open and then took a couple touches to the inside. But, I mean, still, Conte's getting his hands on, you know, a, a, a couple buildups here and there. So, I mean, I guess that's where the key passes come in. But for those people that are saying that he's not doing enough offensively, let me just remind you for a second. He is not going to get 10-plus goals a season. Why? Because he's the best holding midfielder in world football. And they are specialists at defending, not attacking. So get that through your thick Twitter-infested skulls. Um, Amen. But I, I feel like the momentum of Barkley and Ross, uh, uh, Barkley and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has also taken a little bit of pressure off of him because now his name's not so much in the spotlight. Jorginho really hasn't been scapegoated at all this season. And most of the blame has been on uh, Kovacic's shoulders and on uh, on N'Golo Conte's shoulders. And now I feel like that Barkley and RLC are performing at such a high level. Everybody's just talking about how great we're doing. And now it's going to allow N'Golo Conte and, and, and some of those other players that have been scapegoated to kind of go out and do their thing. I mean, look at William last game. I thought... I thought he kind of flew under the radar, and then I, I checked the scores, and I was like, oh, shit, he actually got himself a goal. Nice. Right after we were calling him out last week for yeah. not doing enough. So, I mean, I guess it's the next talking point we have on a script. But, uh, I mean, did you guys feel like he stepped up this past weekend? No, definitely. Willian was – so here's the thing with Willian. If you play him on the left, he's a totally different player. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we can call him out for being a one-trick pony about cutting to his right foot, but – if he's on the left side of the field, it works because he's got the space. And it it wasn't only the fact that he was on the left side of the field. I, I kind of alluded to this earlier about how him and Hazard both play to get the ball to his feet. He was going to extremely central positions and tracking further back to get the ball. And he was pretty much our quarterback on the field on Sunday. And sadly, these performances from William come once in a blue moon. And that's my main issue with him. His um, consistency it's exactly. his consistency that it just it i in, i have a it, soft spot for him because in 2015 when we were complete shit he was like the little bright light that we had mm-hmm. but again um it's like was he that great because everyone else was shit or i mean he didn't even score 10 goals that season yeah he yeah. sometimes a lot on free kicks on that one but it's, like it's I something said, i always give him shit for for not mm-hmm. scoring enough because i mean his technique when he hits the ball is is among the best in the league arguably the best in europe so it just makes no sense as to why he doesn't chip in more in terms of goal scoring output but i mean coming off of that left hand side andres I, I like the point you mentioned about him tucking in and playing more central. I mean, that's that's his bread and butter. That's what he was doing at Shakhtar, and and that's why he was so successful there. And he was also uh, he he was also doing that pretty well with Neymar in the World Cup. I mean, they would often interchange. Mm-hmm. Neymar was mostly playing in the middle, but there were other times where Neymar would push higher up the pitch at, when they were going after teams, and Willian would be that guy to kind of step in behind him and, and pull the strings and kind of dictate that offense. So. Hopefully we see more of that. Um, yeah, and I, it's I just hope so sad too. Cause I, it's sad because when Hazard comes back, obviously he's going to slide into the left and William's going to go back into the right and then all right. um, you know, averageness will be restored in the squad. So, And and that's the thing. Like Whenever the game started, he was on the, uh, on the left side and then Pedro had like his stomach ache thing where he had to be subbed <laughs> off. And when that happened, Loftus-Cheek got put into the left wing and I, like I said, the first half, beside the shot that William hit the post in, like he was giving the ball away. Like there's just something about him being mostly on the right where like his brain, I just think like 
doesn't see the field the same way. But the second mm-hmm. half, I was just like, just give the ball to William. Like he was doing everything right. And yeah, I thought he was unfortunate not to have multiple goals in this game. So you mean there wasn't too many times where William would beat a defender 1v1 down line, then cut it back, wiggle his foot over the ball 15 times and pass it backwards? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's like, I, that, that's honestly. like vintage William right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vintage William on the right, to be fair. On the left, right. I think every William goal I could remember um, was pretty much on the left. <laughs> pretty much the, came off of the left, didn't or it? Or the middle, yeah. The only yeah, one yeah. I can think of from the right was like an outside of the foot shot he took against Norwich, like back in like his first season here. I think it was his first Chelsea goal, actually. The only time that I think I saw him score from like the right side of the goal. But I digress. I I, I thought he was a, a I thought he had a phenomenal game. I just wish he would bring that to the right side because we all know he's not going to displace Hazard on the left. Yeah. Uh, maybe the solution is letting them interchange more, but I don't know. I don't see us accommodating to William against Hazard, essentially. Yeah. It, that's always been my thing. I don't know if they play particularly well together. It's either either one or the other, but I feel like William's the type of player to kind of sulk if he doesn't get his way. Yeah, I mean, he's done that before, and he mm-hmm. does it all the time in the press. I mean, he's, he still did it up until this year, so... I mean, I mean we'll we see. Saw, we saw the Instagram post after uh, the breakup. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> good photoshopping ability. His photoshopping ability is almost as good as ours. Good God. I mean, I mean that... By the way, for those that didn't notice, we actually have a new uh, picture for our podcast. A new icon. Uh, shout out to uh, what was the profile name, Andres? Ross Viva Barkley, Ross Barkley. or Viva, Viva Ross, Ross Barkley. Barkley? There we go. There we go. Viva Ross Barkley. Sorry, man. I, I total brain fart right now. But Viva Ross Barkley is basically the shit. This is my shout out for him. Um, thank you so much for the graphics. They're fucking awesome, and I feel like we have the most badass graphics out of the thousands of Chelsea podcasts in the world. So, <laughs> um, but uh, moving on. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about Murata. I mean. We talked about his toe poke finish. We talked about, uh, you know, how the more he thinks, the less effective he's going to be ultimately as a striker. I mean, if I were to ask you guys, because I didn't watch the game, to rate the performance out of 10, what would you give it? I'm going to let Andres take this one first. Yeah, I actually was extremely pleased with Morata. I'm going to say 8.5. He wasn't falling down and bitching like a little baby, like, He was coming back, getting the ball to his feet. He actually played a fantastic through ball to Willian like a minute before he actually scored himself and Willian hit the post on it. Like Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of plays where I was like, oh, he's actually getting involved, like getting the passes through. He also had like in the 12th or like 10th minute, there was a play where Aspie crossed it into the box. Willian tapped it back to Barkley who volleyed it first time. And Morata had this like reactionary header where I have no idea how Joe Hart blocked that. But in any other day, Morata would have come out of this game with two goals, and, and it was well-deserved. Like, I thought this was one of the first uh, times in a while that Morata has played up to his, like, price tag. Wow. Yeah, this See, like... how come the one game I miss, he does this? <laughs> maybe you are his little jinx, so maybe am you I the... shouldn't. I think I You're am the, the problem. problem. You're the problem. <laughs> But, but, Sue, I mean, if you had to rate his performance 1 through 10, what, what would you give it? I was going to give him an 8. Um, it was, like I said earlier, it was just great to see him having 
fun, not mm-hmm. overthinking. Um, yeah, of course it'd be typical of Joe Hart to make some decent saves against us. <laughs> um, but I just hope this is one of many. He's he, like when he first signed for us, he was scoring. He was doing pretty well. A lot of goals and nice goals. Great movements, great finishes. I don't know. So I'm a big supporter of his and I there's so many people that I know that have given up on him or including us us to sign another striker in January, but I'm like, no, let's make this price tag worth it. Wow. Yeah, he needs to keep playing. We on this podcast have like a collective agreement that Maratha just kind of makes us go, uh, you know, just kind of like the, he just deflates I, us. Yeah, I, I see that on Twitter too, whenever the team sheets come out and it's like, oh, great. Here's Murata in the starting 11. But no, I've, he's he has all the skill and all the talent. It's just, uh, I think, the Spanishness of him kind of gets in the way the whole falling over and he's a big guy <laughs> so you think, see that's the thing yeah he, yeah he's a he is a big guy i mean he's above six feet he has weight on him he's not weak he's pretty strong mm-hmm. it's just confusing as to why he always goes over but i mean if he didn't do it in this match maybe that's something new i'm gonna cling on to whatever i hope i have um but i, I do want to talk about Maurizio. sorry before uh we get into our quick thoughts slash twitter questions section of the podcast so i mean he's the first manager to go his first 10 premier league games unbeaten and he said that this performance was also the best of the season i mean do we agree and give me one reason why this performance stuck out um more than the others uh andres kick us off oh well the fact that it was four nil without eden hazard like the fact that we were and i'm one of the people that was like damn the crowds are right. We are hazard FC. Like I've always been like, when are we ever going to have a match where it's like, okay, we don't need hazard to save us. And I was worried about this game before the weekend. I was like, man, Burnley is tough at home. Hazard might not play. This is going to be one of those where we're going to just need to score one and and call it a day. But I was obviously wrong. We played really well. We didn't look like we were missing Eden and his magic. Which, again, of course, I want rather have Eden on the pitch at all times. But the fact that I can kind of be rest easy when we play a lower side team that's going to park the bus or going to be extremely physical and just work on the counterattacks and come out with a result like this, I I mean, hey, the, the props go to Sari at this point, all of them. Sue, what do you think? I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean that that makes this podcast so much easier, doesn't it? It's just yeah, it was just I I do agree with him. This was the best performance we've had in a while and um and again, like Andreas said, without Hazard, that's what makes it so special. I think that the fact that we can cope without him mm-hmm. is always a plus. I mean, I love the guy and I, I don't want him to leave. Does but, he make you want to chew on a cigarette butt? Who, out of curiosity? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, no. Um, <laughs> but I would... That habit is just so funny. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. My, my dad, who's not very into soccer whatsoever, 
um, besides, you know, the Saturday and Sunday mornings where I wake him up obscenely early. Um, those are those are pretty much the only games he watches. And last year he used to get, or two years ago, he used to get a kick out of Antonio Conte. And I remember the first game that he saw um, Antonio Conte as our coach was the one where he jumped into the front row um, mm. r- right next to the bench at home and, and celebrated with the fans. And when my dad saw Sorry for the first time, it's like, he looks like one of my uncles from back home. And my dad's a my dad's a very Middle Eastern guy, right? He looks like one of my uncles from back home. I'm like, you know what? When I look at him, I'm like, he does not look anything like a football coach. But God bless him. I mean, this is the this is the dream start for us. Because before this season started, we were all thinking, ah, oh, we need at least six months to a year minimum to get his ideologies across and to get and, and to tailor the squad to uh to match you know his demands and, and and how he wants to play but and he, he came and he hit the ground running just like every other Chelsea manager did maybe it's something in the water at the bridge um who knows I but, just want to touch on something you just said you called him a coach and that's exactly what sorry is that differs from the past managers that we've had is mm-hmm. that he t- he took a team where he was told oh we might not get I, like he didn't have a short list of players he wanted and got them yes he got Jorginho I think Kovacic was like a last minute. Somehow we got that. But like, I think Kovacic was like the make weight in the Courtois deal, wasn't it? Probably. So like you look at this, like last season, none of us thought that Alonso would survive a switch to the back four. Yeah. A lot of people doubted Barkley could grow into the player he has become after, let's be real, awful performances under Conte. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Conte not playing DM and succeeding is another plot. Like, good for like that's all on sorry the fact that david luis is back in a back we're in a system with two center backs where that <gasps> seemed to be impossible oh. like i i just the, the list goes on and on about the things sorry has been able to do with the like batch of players he kind of received like he hasn't gone out and, and asked for a specific player like these are just players that were already here and yeah that's a testament to what he's done with them in training and that's, I think, such a big difference between what we've had in the past. Like, let's like Conte moaned for Antonio Candreva like for a year and a half, for God's sake. Like, we are making Marcos Alonso look like a like one of the best left backs in Europe right now. And again, when the some fact people that, think that he should have no business even being in the conversation. Yeah, and and the other part is. Before the season started, this midfield, that wasn't our – we didn't think that was going to be our strength. And here we are with most likely the most deep center, center like, midfield three in the league. So I – I all all the praise goes to Zari for me in, in this run. Uh, yeah, I was pretty skeptical about Zari. I'm not going to lie. I mean, his – he hasn't really won anything, right? That was the big critique against him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like with Chelsea managers, it's you can't fall in love with them because they'll break ten your years... heart into a million pieces. Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> um, it's just uh, like with Conte, his first season was phenomenal. He worked with what he had, mm. and he did what a coach was supposed to do. And then the second year, it was just like. Uh, he started having these demands and not working with what he had. And that just brought morale morale down completely. So to see what Sari has been doing has been, it's 
I'm still, I still have my brakes on here because I don't want to go full all in because I feel like my heart's going to get broken again. But he's, he's doing something really good with Chelsea and it's really exciting again. I think, I think the difference with Sari compared to like past managers like Mourinho and Antonio Conte is, mm. you know, you got guys like Mourinho, Antonio Conte, they're, they're very authoritarian. Their word is final. And if you're on their shit list, good luck getting out of it. Maurizio Sarri is the type of manager that takes a look at the squad, sees the types of player he, the players he has, and puts their arm around them and says, hey, you know, this is what you need to do to get better. If you do it, you'll get your chance and you'll take it. Don't worry. And that's exactly what he did with Ross Barkley, to be fair. But then he got, you know, on the flip side, you got Antonio Conte and, and the Mourinho's of the world. They see a problem and they patch it. They take somebody within the squad, turn them into a center half or a right back, and they just kind of tape over the cracks just to get by for that season. And they'll win a title while doing it. And that's why they're top managers. But that's also why they haven't had a long shelf life at any of the clubs they've been at. I think with Maurizio Sarri, it's a little (laughs) bit different. I'm not saying he's going to be at Chelsea forever. But what I am saying is that like Andres said, he is a coach. He takes a player and he develops them. He expands their game. Ross Barkley was not known for tracking back on defense prior to this season. And look at him now. And Golo Conte is a defensive midfielder. But look where he's playing and he's being effective. Um, you know, he's getting the best out of Eden Hazard. Murata slowly, hopefully, starting to come out of his shell. Hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed so I don't curse it. But, you know, we're seeing... <laughs> We're seeing this thing with Maurizio Sarri because it's such an unconventional signing. We're just not used to falling in love with a manager this fast, even though Chelsea fans have fallen in managers fast uh, this uh, this fast in the past. But it seems different to me. It just seems like he is on it, – it seems like this is only just the tip of the iceberg for the team yeah. and for his career at Chelsea. And I but, feel like he's giving Roman what Roman has always wanted, which is – like beautiful, beautiful football. football and yeah. so have my hopes up but at the same time I'm still being cautious hey the, the <laughs> caution the caution yeah. is warranted because we have every right to be yeah. um I want to I want to move on really quick because we are running out of time we got about 10 minutes left I want to fly through this quick thought slash twitter questions portion and then we'll get into the match previews so um, really quick, uh, Sujin, I'm just going to throw out, uh, a fact, Twitter question, quote, whatever it may be. You give me your quick thoughts on it. We'll try to usually keep it between 10 or 15 seconds. Andres, uh, you're usually good at keeping it between 30 seconds and a minute. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but we'll, we'll get right to it. So, um, Marcus Alonso extends to, uh, 2023. I'm going to go first on this one because Marcus Alonso has a very special place in my heart. Um, it's about damn time. Eden Hazard needs to follow in his footsteps. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, what do you guys think? Boom. There we go. <laughs> That's it. I huh? was gonna say continues to prove the haters wrong, and it's and because of that, he gets an extension. And it's very well deserved. Um, this question's gonna tickle the fancy of our fellow American listeners. We might have seen a certain Matt Miazga. Uh, in the news lately. So apparently he's on the verge of being sent back from Nantes. Uh, every report I've read said that his performances have been shit this season. Um, I haven't really seen anything myself, but based on uh, b- based on my further research, 
he only had about two or three bad outings. Um, it looks like he just had a falling out with the coach after all. So how do you feel as Americans? Because I know lately in the in the U.S. national team setup, he's looked pretty damn good. He's gotten pretty aggressive. Like, I was pretty shocked. That whole thing with, was it against Mexico? and <laughs> um, the, That really I, short guy? Yeah, he's just, he's, I don't know if he's starting fights or what over there, but I I like what I'm seeing for the U.S. men's national team, but we'll see. It, uh, Andres, what do you think? Uh, it stinks to hear that like the one American is having a bad loan. Um, <sighs> I really Chelsea American. Yeah, like I really don't know why he went to Nantes anyway. Uh, he did decent at Vitesse. But to be honest, I, I really haven't followed Miazga's recent developments much. But he does, I mean, he's doing something right if he get, keeps getting called up to play for the national team. So it might be just like a, a clash of styles or, or something like that. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a slack for this, but is he ever, do we even think he's going to even make it at Chelsea? Like, why, no. why is he on, a, on the payroll, you know? No, no, American. <laughs> Just American shirts. That's just to sell American Chelsea shirts. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I mean, it's always. I been almost a bought one. Move. I almost bought one. I'm not even gonna lie. I was so hyped when he came over, but have been bitterly disappointed since. Um, the next point. Uh, I know we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about this one, and feel free to uh, extend your answer if you will. Thibaut Courtois, <sighs> the snake in the grass. He concedes five in El Clasico. So. I'm just going to go ahead and say it before you guys do um, on behalf of all Chelsea fans in the whole entire world. This is one giant fuck you, Tebow. Um, that's <laughs> what you get for being a bitch the last two or three years. Um, what do you guys what did you guys make of it? I mean, first of all, did you even watch it because this whole mm. BN sports nonsense or actually I think I watched the first goal and I all I kept thinking was karma, karma, karma. Um, Uh, I uh, I was gonna say I did get to catch the whole game Um, all I could think about was that quote like Courtois was one week in practice and all he's like you know I'm here with like the best defenders in the world and you can tell their quality in practice and all I could think about was this game I was like man you should have just just stop talking to the media you're an idiot like uh, I uh, think my favorite Courtois quote of all time is like I go to the Bernabeu and I see fans and then when I was at Stanford Bridge I looked at a hotel. <laughs> well, it looks like Tebow's gonna be uh looking up for a while because it seems sliding down the table and uh and and place. he's yeah and uh I mean I I don't even want to talk about him anymore because he's a piece of shit so let's just move yeah, on. Done. Um, uh, <laughs> Roman's Empire super fan. Chelsea Eric tweeted at us, and uh, he asked, "Do you think Morata and Pedro made it to the bathroom?" <laughs> I just, I just wanted to say that out loud on the pod because I thought I that really, was a hilarious tweet. I really don't know what to say. I, I rewatched the first half of the game, and Pedro was—you could see the discomfort, like starting minute fifteen, like Wait. even he was running, like, <laughs> like dude, I don't know what they had at the cafeteria and stuff, but like he wasn't running, like. He kept bending over. I was like, dude, this guy's about to throw up. Like, I, I, like it was bad. Like, knowing that he had a stomach bug or something and then watching it again, I was like, 
this is bad news. Like, this is an accident. Like, if you guys have ever heard of the show American Vandal, um, yeah. that's what, like, look, just Google their season two promo, and I was like, oh, I'm about to witness this in the middle of a soccer pitch. Like, this is bad news. So I'm glad they got him out when they did. What was up with Murata? Did Murata have the shits also? or He, like, sprinted into the locker room when he subbed out, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it looked like he was going straight to the bathroom. Something they ate. It had yeah. to be. I mean, that's just... Sorry just... said he brought back the, the junk food to the cafeteria, so maybe... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it could have been, like, the pizza or something. It just wasn't, uh... It wasn't, an, it wasn't Neapolitan. Maybe that's why they all got sick. Um, <laughs> I want to move on. That was a horrible joke. I, I really want to move on, because I don't want people to focus on that. Um, at Manga Muida tweeted us. This is an interesting one. He said, we obviously need cover for Conte. Should we, one... Make Kovacic his backup. He's okay there. Two, train RLC to be better defensively and him play there in the Balak role. Three, try Ampadu there, which I like. Or number four, which was uh, buy someone. For example, uh, Ndidi or Ndombele from Lyon. Sue, you can go first. Um, I don't know about either of these options. No offense. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, I think we'll probably see maybe Conte, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Some more Probably rotating? Just, yeah, yeah, I think th- there'll be some rotation going on. I, I, I love Conte, and I would love watching him play, but realistically, we have so many games going on this season. There needs to be some rotation going on for his position who, as well. Who, who plays in his spot if you're the manager? I think Kovacic is probably the best bet here because he mm-hmm. can play defensively. Yeah. But I would love to see Ampadu on there. Uh, Andres, what do you think? Yeah, I was I was going to say, for me, it's a pretty easy one. I was going to go with Kovacic. Um, in the Europa League this past week, whenever Loftus-Cheek was in the left center mid spot, I almost forgot like that Conte wasn't on the pitch because I thought Kovacic did such a good job yeah. covering that kind of – and he was covering Fabregas to, to put mm-hmm. that into perspective, which means you have to be defensively stable. So I think that that's going to be what happens. The reason why I think Kovacic is going to be the backup, and this is what I was trying to hold on to for now, is I think the rise of Loftus-Cheek and Barkley – is now kind of downgrading Kovacic in the pecking order based on the fact that he's a lone player. Mm-hmm. So I see Kovacic getting a lot less minutes as the season goes on when the games pick up just because we don't know what the future holds for him at Chelsea. Or at Real Madrid. Oh Yeah, wherever. We don't know where his future is, right? So the difference between now is where does Chelsea want to invest the time when, for one, Loftus-Cheek and Barkley are British and under contract, and two, they're providing goals that Kovacic so far hasn't provided. Yeah. So that's why I think Kovacic is going to become Conte's backup any time that Conte needs a break. I think mm-hmm. that's where we're going to see him. And sadly, like, I've been, I hate to be reactionary, but that's just – I know that there's a business aspect to this. And I would love for Kovacic to sign a contract that says he's going to be at Chelsea and he's a Chelsea player. But because of the form that Loftus-Cheek and Barkley are in, it's not far-fetched to think that 
we might just split ways at the end of the season with him if I've, these two uh, other guys keep going. I, I, I've actually already I – mean, I mean, I said it when the season started that I'm not going to get emotionally attached to Kovacic, or at least I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can because I know that there's some way Chelsea will disappoint me in this. <laughs> but it's actually the complete opposite. So I know it's not going to happen, but because Chelsea's actually pleasing me, man. Like, w- we have depth in our midfield, and I think that guys like – uh, Loftus Cheek and guys like Barkley are gonna get in the squad um, as that attacking midfielder in that system over Kovacic because of the goal scoring output. I mean, uh, we, we talked about Mark Hamshik last season um, early on in in in, uh, in our show this season, and who was gonna step into that role and chip in 10, 15, 20 goals a season possibly from the midfield? And uh, we all we all fancied Kovacic, but it's actually looking like Ross Barkley and Loftus Cheek have a better chance to do that. So, um, moving on to the last one, um, and this is an interesting question. I want to kind of fly through this part um, just for time's sake. But uh, at Majin Kuhn asked, "How do you think the team's going to react once the high of this undefeated streak comes to an end?" What do you guys uh, think? I don't really particularly like streaks. Um, like, you know, that whole Chelsea have, like, Spurs haven't won at Stamford Bridge in over, like, 26, uh, 27 years. I don't want to talk about it because I was there when it ended. <laughs> oh, it was your fault then. <laughs> Again. Oh, Again. Uh, Again. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> no, but it's just, like, um, uh, these streaks don't matter unless we're actually winning something yeah. at the end of the season, so... Sometimes it's a relief when they do come to an end. I think the team can, as long as the team can recover, we'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, well, what do you think, Andres? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of saw it just in one game, the Man U game, when we went down 2-1 and mm. the guys just fought and fought and fought. Like, for one, I think we have a lot of players who are hungry for minutes and hungry to show their worth. And two, I think, like, we have a good locker room again. Like, it seems like everyone's on the same page and and that sort of thing. So I don't see the kind of negativity ever seeping in like it did under Conte. And that might just be sorry as a person, like the way he handles adversity versus like Conte, who was, you know, a totalitarian like dictator who's like always like screaming and stuff like that. So I think it'd be okay. I think we would bounce back. So far parking the bus hasn't stopped us. I don't see like yes we're gonna we're bound to lose a game but I don't see it becoming five in a row where we don't win. Yeah, yeah I definitely don't see it become a becoming a crisis at least anytime soon. Um, I want to move on match the to the match previews. Um, we we welcome Darby to the bridge on Wednesday, on uh, on Halloween for us Americans. So spooky. Um, is Halloween inter- is Halloween like a global thing or is it? I just- think so. Oh, okay. Um, so Halloween. I've I've heard in like England that it wasn't that big, but lately over the years it's gotten bigger and bigger. So oh, nice. Hope, maybe we'll see some costumes of people dressed <laughs> up. I'd love, uh, yeah, that would be. I would just love to see like some Chelsea fans take on Diego Costa. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> so Diego Costa for Halloween. Yeah, oh, that, that, that would be so cool. Chewing um, on cigarette butts, yeah. yeah. Chewing on cigarette butts, wearing oversized sweats, you know, the whole package. Um, I want to I want to talk about this derby match really quick. I mean, obviously Mason Mount and Fakayo Tomori will play. 
um, which is thank God. I don't know if that's Mauricio Sarri saying let him play, or I don't know if that's the club uh, finally coming to their senses with any youth decision. Um, but I want to hear your guys' scores, and then I also want you to give me a bold prediction for the game. Um, so, uh, Andres, I'll start off with you. What, what do you think the outcome of the game is going to be like? I think we win 3-1. Um, I think my bold prediction, and it's like a two-parter, I think that Giroud finally scores, and I think he also assists one of Ross Barkley or Lotus Sheik. Oh, interesting. Sue, what about you? I was going to go with 3-1 as well. This is not... <laughs> I feel like I'm agreeing with everything Andres is saying, and but I think it'll be 3-1. Take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, Mason Mount's probably going to score, hopefully. Um, but to be honest, I, I, I was a little skeptical about Mason Mount going over there because I thought Darby don't have the best talent for him to work with, but... Mm-hmm. The fact that he's under Lampard and Jody Morris is like the best place for him to be. Uh, I mean, he's just playing for his idol. You yeah, can't ask for like, anything more. I've said this time and again. Mason Mount is like the last Chelsea youth player that I have all my hopes in. <laughs> and if he doesn't make it, I just You're give done. up on Chelsea youth. Like, <laughs> I think I think it's fair. I mean, here's he the thing. I think to it's totally it. fair. So it's I'm gonna say three one. I mean, yeah, I mean, hopefully, yeah, Giroud scoring, please. Oh, see, we got me. so we got we we got an Ali Giroud goal from both of you guys, three one. I'm meaty, gonna go meaty French forehead. The, the meaty <laughs> French forehead. I yeah, like it's that. gonna be a header with his meaty French forehead. I think uh, I I think the match is gonna be three one for ninety minutes, and Mason Mountain's gonna nail a free kick in extra time. And the Chelsea faithful is going to stand up and applaud him off of the pitch. I don't know why, but I have a feeling that this game is just going to be like one of those classic, like, cut matches, early round cut matches of the season. I I I don't know why. I just have that gut feeling. Um, But I mean, here's here's another match that actually I don't I don't wish this match becomes a classic whatsoever unless it involves a six nil drubbing on our part. (laughs) Um, we play Crystal Palace this weekend at the bridge. Um, they're 14th in the table. They're the fourth lowest scoring team in the division. They only scored seven goals all season. And two of them were last week against the Gooners. So well done to you, Crystal Palace. Thanks, thanks for uh, taking points away from Arsenal. But um, what do we need to do to win? I mean, they're... I, I mean, they got Wilfred Zaha. He's a Chelsea killer. But Andres, I mean, there has to be something else... Uh, that we could say on this podcast in terms of what we need to do to win. Because I mean, besides that, they've been pretty shit all season. I think honestly that for one, it it is Zaha is the problem. Like, I don't know what it is. He always magically comes back from injury and plays Chelsea. Like it seems that crystal palace is always the game. That's like, Oh, Chelsea are on a streak. They're playing crystal palace this week. They're going to extend their streak. And then we don't. So I'm hoping that we break that streak of losing to palace or not getting the result on palace this week this upcoming week i think um we should be able to um again their their strategy is going to be much like burnley and every other bottom of the table kind of team that's gonna not want to play chelsea like punch to punch so 
Um, I think we kind of need to look at this past week, what we did well, and also just kind of look at how they played Arsenal because I don't see them playing us very differently compared to yeah. that. So learn from Arsenal's mistakes, I think, is the is the key thing. So I, I think I'm going to go and uh, start the scores and bold predictions portion. So I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea, and I think the curse of Zaha is broken. And I actually think Barkley gets his goal in this match. I'm going to go 5-0 Chelsea. I know Woo! Palace is very Please. bogey. They're, they're a bogey team, but against Chelsea, but I'm going to say 5-0 and hopefully Murata scores another one. <laughs> you know what? Sue's just sticking to her guns. I mean, she says she hates streaks. So uh, what better way to – what better team to end a, a, a shitty – a shitty streak against the Crystal Palace, right? I mean, they, they are a bogey team. I fucking hate been. playing them. Ugh. Andres, what do you think? I think we'll get 2-0. I think it'll be 2-0. I, I, I wow. mean, they kept Arsenal just to two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, even after this past week, I think everything felt, like, perfect for Chelsea this weekend. And just, it's not that we can't do it again. I just feel like... Crystal Palace loves to play Chelsea. Like, I think it's going to be a, a – it's not going to be a comfortable 2-0. I think we're going to have to really earn it. And it's just because Crystal Palace loves to play against us. I don't – it's their league championship. Like, it's like a it's like a cup game for them. And so I think we win. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to score on us for once. But, yeah, I think uh, I think Murata gets to score again, actually. I'm, I'm thinking for some reason in my head I just see a Murata header in this game. Yes, yes. You know, I wish a part of me wishes that this game was actually at Selhurst Park, considering like the run of form we're on. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that, that our return leg at Selhurst Park later on in the season is just going to come at a really inopportune time. And if it does, I mean, we could pretty much bank on the fact that we'll drop points there. Um, it's end of the season, oh, end of the year, it's a New Year's. Oh, is game. it a New Year's kickoff? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, like right oh, okay. January 1st. So we should still yeah. be fine. But we, we uh, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to curse it. I'm not even going to say anything because I don't want to curse anything. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, Sujin, thank you so much for coming I on. I had a lot of fun with you guys. This, is this great. was great. Uh, this, was, this was super awesome, and I promise I'll make it out to the pub sometime soon. I know I'm, like, really bad at showing up the games because I, I coach a youth team. But, I mean, I, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to see what I can do. My season ends in two weeks, so I'll see you soon. Um, oh, just in time for Tottenham. Oh, Ooh, yes. good timing. That's going to be so awesome. Yeah, um, that would be a good one. But yeah, I mean, thanks again for coming on the podcast. You're more than welcome to come back anytime you want. Um, and Andres, always a pleasure, my man. Good stuff once again. Um, Som, if you're listening, fuck you and your internet. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that uh we'll see you guys next week hopefully uh three uh hopefully we move on in the carabao cup and three more points towards a premier league title run um so until next week keep the blue flag flying high